Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with Andy Murray, Anna Chizinski, and James Harkin. And once again, we've gathered around the microphone with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, Andy Hunter Murray. My fact is that there have been three top 50 songs in the British charts which have been sung exclusively in Latin. Wow, I bet you own all three of them, don't you? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Just just a mixtape of three Latin songs. Yeah, uh, one of them actually made it into the Alan Partridge movie last (laughs) year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was uh, Gaudete by Steel Eye Span, which is a religious song. Unfortunately, they're all a bit um, religious rather than uh, an ABBA song, which they just happen to fancy doing in Latin. I didn't know we got religious songs in our chart, in our pop chart, in our top 40 chart of pops. Yeah. They're just choirs. Constantly. Um, anyway, the other ones, one was from Evita in 1976, which is choral in Latin. Another was a recording of P.A. Yezu from Andrew Lloyd Webber's Requiem. That's a fantastic oh, yeah. song. Right. So, so two of these are, and is the other one from Evita, you said? Yes. So two of them are Andrew Lloyd Webber songs. Two of the three Latin songs are Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? Evita um, being an Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Well, well done. Well done, Drew. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting, the sort of the things that get into the pop charts over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it's easier now to get things in the pop charts because you can just, everyone can download something at the same time mm. and then it can get in the charts. Whereas in the olden days, you actually had to release a record or a CD or something for it to get in the charts. Because these yeah. days, you could get a very popular person on the radio saying everyone download a Latin song and it would yeah. just get Yeah, you're the right. Charts. It doesn't need yeah. to be. Um, the Taylor Swift album that came out uh, last year, they accidentally on the iTunes downloads included track just of white noise and because it just went viral everyone bought it and it went to the top of the charts in canada That's yeah. Pr- yeah. every other pure white canada noise. must have been so angry yeah <laughs> <laughs> alanis morissette going this is ironic <laughs> <laughs> so you know that uh the mel gibson film the passion was in a mix of aramaic and latin yeah it turns out that the Latin that they used in The Passion of the Christ is church Latin and not classical Latin, which means the entire thing is an anachronism. That's funny. I'm really, really pleased by that. <laughs> do they pronounce their V's as W's? I don't know. I don't know how much we do know about the pronunciation of I think the general consensus Latin. is that um, classical Latin, it was pronounced as a W, and then um, okay. church Latin, it's a V. And if they screwed that up, wow. they fell at the first hurdle. Yeah. So, um, some um, chat trivia. Yep. Uh, which day of the week has had the most um, songs written about it? So, it's in the title. Oh, okay. Ooh. What do you reckon? Uh, Monday. Yeah, Monday. Yeah, that's, that's the obvious. You're I'm going to go with Friday. Monday. Oh, well, you're all wrong. <laughs> uh, um, uh, it's Sunday. 30 songs with the word Sunday in. So, 30 songs with Sunday in, 23 with Saturday, 11 with Friday, which is a third. And only one song, this is in the Billboard charts, has ever been written with the word Thursday in the title. Only one? Yeah, yeah Sweet Thursday by Johnny Mathis wow. in 1962. Okay, my this is my favourite fact about the charts. Go on. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is that Paul McCartney has had 200 songs in the charts. So either Beatles songs, Wings songs, solo songs, songs that he's written for other people. Um, if you take the, the amount of time and accumulate all the time that those 200 songs have spent in the charts, they add up to 32 years. Right. That's wow. amazing. Oh. He's, had, he's, had, <laughs> he's had songs in the charts 
that are for a longer period than I've been alive by two years. That's pretty good. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. And do you know who I found out that fact from? Who? President Obama. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, is President Obama just tweeting factoids? Yeah, about he's Paul got. McCartney? Yeah, he runs OMG. They've just signed him up there. Really? Yeah, yeah. Good for him. No, he, uh, he Paul McCartney won the Gershwin Prize at the White House where they do it, and he gave a speech and he said, "Here's an interesting fact about Paul," and then told that. Well, I see. Do you think that was original research from Theo? <laughs> Source own research. <laughs> um, I have a thing about Latin which I wanted to tell you because I really, really like it. Um, when Pope Benedict the Sixteenth resigned, one of the the journalists who broke the story only got it because she could understand the Latin in which he made the announcement. Right. And as a result, she got the scoop before anybody else. Her name was Giovanna Ciri. Oh, she must have been very cheery about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a weird one, wasn't it? Because they were—he was just doing a general talk to about six or seven journalists, and they were just talking about basic stuff. They all understood what he was saying was being translated, and then he spoke that bit in Latin, that particular right. bit. She was the only one who got it, and she kind of pre-announced it without confirmation. She was lucky she was right because she, yeah. she was a bit like, oh, "I'm not sure if he did. I'm pretty did sure he... he did just say that." Did that word mean resign or olive? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I just wanted an olive, guys. But it's an interesting thing. They, because um, Latin in the Vatican obviously is still a big thing. They're constantly updating because of all the new words that we have. Yeah. They keep, that's so. Good. Have we spoken about that particular thing? Like words like dishwasher are now in the new Latin dictionary, and so are um, World Wide Web. There is. They're World a bit, web. Are they quite behind if they've only just updated it with dishwasher? <laughs> I mean, yeah. about and true, iPhone. Yeah. Well, and, and Rush Hour, which I don't know when that movie made it to the Vatican, but that's <laughs> only just got it in this one that's been released. Um, speaking of Pope Benedict, have we spoken about the fact that he released a top... He released a Christmas album, didn't he? A Christmas music album. <laughs> no. And he, so in 2009, before he resigned, he released a Christmas music album. Uh, it was prayers set to classical music, and it was with Snoop Dogg's record label. What's it? Wow. Yeah. Geffen Records. Snoop Dogg collaborates with a lot of people like that. He did a he did a song with Buzz <laughs> Aldrin. A lot of people like the well, Pope. Like, yeah. <laughs> so the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama. <laughs> no, um, Buzz Aldrin. Just like people yeah. who are not in old, music old, is what old I meant. People. Yeah, old yeah. people who... He yeah. wanted to be on Coronation Street, didn't the he? The Pope. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Yeah, there was, a, there was in the news a while ago that he was going to be on Coronation Street, but I don't think he ever did. I think we would have heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was reading that J.K. Rowling's, um, obviously, The Philosopher's Stone yeah. was released in Latin. Oh, yeah, yeah, did yeah. It, and it, So it's Harrius Potter, uh, is what the <laughs> book was called, and it was the Philosopher's Stone one. Um, they also translated it into ancient Greek, and apparently it's the longest ancient Greek text to have been produced since 3 AD. Wow! <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That's uh, what I read, but I, you know... That's wow, so that's and also um, this is interesting. The book, The Order of the Phoenix, when that came out. So just going from the idea that we had three Latin songs in a British chart in France, mm. when the book came out, they did this thing where they didn't pre-give the book to different countries to translate it. They basically had to wait for the English book to be released, and then they started translating the Harry Potter book. So it was a big rush to sort of which country could get them quicker for the demand. Yeah. In France, they couldn't wait for the book to be translated. So. Order of the Phoenix is the only non-English, sorry, non-French book to hit number one in the French bestsellers list in France as a book. That's great. Just on the Order of the Phoenix one as well, there was this thing in Venezuela where they knew the release date was going to be about six months after or five months after the release mm. of Order of the Phoenix. They couldn't be bothered waiting, and some guy just translated it on his own and cool. released it, and people bought it. But it, 
by all accounts, was the worst translation uh. <laughs> because it's packed with sentences. This is a genuine sentence from it. Uh, here comes something that I am unable to translate. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and then later on, after another sentence, there's a bracket that said, I'm sorry, I don't understand what that means. <laughs> it's just totally littered with That's the translator. It makes it sound actually a bit more terrifying. If you're describing yeah. something, it's like, this thing is so awesome, I can't even put it into yeah, words. It's, it's like another version of Voldemort. He yeah. cannot be named. <laughs> so literally, I can't name it. <laughs> sorry, guys. Do you guys know the only New York Times bestseller to be written in Latin, best-selling book to be written in Latin? Ooh, no. Can you give us a clue? Is it's it Winnie be... the Pooh? It's well, yes, because there is. was a version of Winnie the Pooh in Latin, wasn't it's there? It's Winnie Ille Pooh. <laughs> yeah, Winnie Ille Pooh. It was on the bestseller list for twenty weeks. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's a very, I imagine there's the, not much vocabulary in it, so it's probably quite good for teaching children who are learning Latin. Yeah. yeah. Although the Grinch, um, so the Dr. Zeus, three Dr. Zeus books have also been translated into Latin, which I would have thought Wait, would be... Wait, Dr. Zeus or Dr. Seuss? <laughs> Dr. Zeus. Because <laughs> that would be for Greek, if anything, I don't, think, I don't think Zeus was a doctor. <laughs> I think he had bigger fish to fry. It's Maybe pronounced Dr. Seuss as well. Dr. Seuss. But if I said Dr. Seuss, people would call me a dickhead. Yeah, so say Dr. Seuss. Then. Dr. Seuss, I always say. I say Dr. Seuss, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, How the Grinch Stole Christmas and two others um, have been. In fact, okay, I'll tell you the two others and see if you know what they are. I assume okay. some of you will. Catus Petasatus. The cat, cat in the, the hat. hat. Correct. Nice. And Weirent Owa! Exclamation mark. Weirent Perna. Oh, two exclamation green marks. eggs, green ham. Nice. Uh, green eggs and ham. Green eggs and ham. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Studied it till the age of 18. Still didn't get the cat in the hat one. <laughs> yeah, oh, Hatos is a tough one. Yeah. Though, it really is. Hatos really threw me as well. <laughs> um, the Latin Wikipedia has 94,000 articles. Does it? Which is amazing when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, that's much more than many other languages. In yeah. fact, I wonder where that features in like, Wikipedia language. Are, like, yeah, and numbers. you can get Facebook in Latin as well. Instead of the like button, there's a mihi plaquette button. <laughs> it is pleasing it to pleases me. It pleases me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Do you know what the other languages that Latin almost, you know, was, or the Latin tribe was vying with before they became the Romans, you know, when they were just a tiny tribe in Welsh. southern Italy? Um, they well, were they really cool names. Volskian, Oscan, and Faliscan. These were just other languages doing the rounds in the area at Faliscan the time. Faliscan sounds like it comes from phallus, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it sounds does. penis language. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm sure they got a lot of that at school. They don't need any more of it from you guys, especially <laughs> given that they lost to the Romans. <laughs> Embarrassing. Um, anyway, right, Germany, I think, is the only country to have had a number one song in Elvish. Um, because wow. the, Lord of the Rings Yeah, track? it was it's... the Enya track. Director, producer, promoter, whatever this is called in the business, decided that the, her, her musical ideas were too complex and interesting to get across in any language that existed, so they wrote a new language for her in which some of her other songs are sung, ah. um, which is called Amarantine. That's Enya's mm. language. Got her own language. Cool. Um, hey, you know how we were talking about dishwashers earlier? Yeah. yeah. The Latin for dishwasher... Um, and obviously, we all know I'm terrible with words, but it's something like escariorium as the first word. Something like that. It's not yeah. correct. Lavatory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lavatory is a, a Latin la- word. Lavate is it's to wash. It just means to wash, yeah. Hmm. yeah. A lavatory was, I think, an ecclesiastical room for washing in, in a church or in a 
uh, monastery or that kind of thing. A lavatory was a room where you go and have a wash. Yeah. Who do you think was the first person who took a poo in there and transformed <laughs> it <laughs> from, oh, Father Dave, what have you done? <laughs> it was time the room branched out. <laughs> do you think that's what happened with all the words? <laughs> Someone just, like... Dave, Father Dave, this used to be a place where we just had a bath. Oh, now the defecatorium's <laughs> completely ruined, Father Dave. <laughs> okay, it's time for fact number two, and that is Chazinski. My fact is that the way to recognise the Buddha uh, is to look out for his webbed feet, a tongue that can reach his ears, and withdrawn genitalia. <laughs> That's a good excuse on a date. No, 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 it's not small. I'm just, I'm the Buddha. I'm the reincarnated Buddha. <laughs> Oh, yeah, then show me your tongue, because I could get on board with this. <laughs> so, yeah, these are some of the 32... These are three of the 32 Lakshanas, or special bodily features of the Buddha, and they're what a proper representation of the Buddha must have um, that make him the perfect being. So the perfect being has these features, as well as various other things, like uh, 40 teeth rather than 32, um, ant- ankle bones that are hardly noticeable, and an excellent sense of taste. It is an amazing list of characteristics that yeah. the Buddha had. I mean, this is Buddha original as well, Buddha classic, if you will. Um, had thighs like a royal stag, uh, a 10-foot aura, and the area below armpits well-filled. <laughs> <laughs> With hair. Or yeah, <laughs> so wait, are there thirty-two of these? There's thirty-two, yeah. but then I don't there's know what a... well filled with. I think well filled with flesh, maybe. Yeah. There's an additional eighty extra little tiny things if you wanted right. to look at. And what's really weird is they point out that the extra eighty things are just like you know you've confirmed it's Buddha. You know his tongue can wrap around his ears. He's got these web feet. It's definitely Buddha. Yeah. Um, but if you just want to make doubly sure that it's him, there's these eighty extra things. And I read through the eighty, and they are quite simple. But then one is. He can fly. <laughs> Which, that feels like it should be the first That'd one. That'd be the first it? thing I'd ask him. But yeah. And they're so mixed as well. Like, one of them is, he has a protruding nose, number 28 of the extra 80. And the one before it is, he has the strength of a thousand elephants. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 he doesn't. He has oh. the strength of a thousand craw ele- elephants, and oh. craw is 10 million. Um, and so oh. he has the strength of 10 billion elephants. Sorry, that was my mistake. But I mean, that the Buddha, 10 billion elephants. That's the kind of strength that he's wow. To be fair, once you're strong enough that you can pull 10 elephants, the extra just feels like showing off. Yeah, you're right. Number 75 in this list of, <laughs> of 80. So he is either completely bald or has a full crop of hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's no in between, though. No yes, coma. No, yeah. <laughs> Um, so what I like about this list is that uh, it's not only just what he was, but if you were looking out for Buddha as a reincarnation, that is, these are all the things that he would have still. Mm. Um, and I was looking into reincarnation just generally because we haven't had a reincarnation of the Buddha, but we obviously have the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. He's a reincarnation of, so he's the 14th, I yep. believe. He's threatening, and I, I don't know what the latest update on this is, but he's saying he might not reincarnate anymore. Yep. Just to... Stick it to the Chinese. Yeah, he's going to put it up. He's going to put <laughs> oh. it up as a vote. Well, that uh, is petty. He's going to take a vote on it. Well, yeah, the, I, this is the last. You know, that yeah. may have changed in. You know, how... he was speaking about it in September last year. So yeah. it's very recent. That yeah, he yeah, said yeah. He might not do it. But um, but it's so interesting the way that they do find 
the reincarnations. Do but... they not like um, give the give a child some of the old Dalai Lama's possessions and see if he likes them? Yes. Yeah, so, so there were a bunch of possessions that were given to him, and he was picking them up, saying, "Oh, this is mine. This is mine. This yeah. is." It tends to be. But that's if you give children anything, they say, "This is mine. This is mine." But they, they, but they, but there's a there's a bunch <laughs> of things on the uh, on the ground. There was a, there was a, a kid um, who was told that he was a reincarnation of a llama. And it was down to a few things like he was able to identify the color of the previous llama's car. And the mileage. Yeah. And, <laughs> what's in the glove box then? Uh, some Tic Tacs and my gun. <laughs> the next Dalai Lama is the guy who stole my car. We, <laughs> we did a deal. <laughs> Can I just ask a question about this, right? Yeah. So this guy is supposed to be the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. No, no, sorry. Of another, there are lots of llamas that you uh, can be. So, like a Panchen Lama or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, like, for example, it's been confirmed that Steven Seagal is the reincarnation of a 17th, a 17th century Buddhist spirit called Chungdrag Dorje. When you say, when you say it's been confirmed <laughs> by the, by the community of, like, the Dalai Lama By evidence, people. Andy. Got by it. evidence. Sorry. Right. Yeah, so he's not obviously the Dalai Lama, but he is a... Uh, the um, okay. China tried to make their own Lama, didn't they? Um, I thought it was their own Dalai Lama. Um, they they said, right, okay, the guy that you guys have chosen in Tibet isn't the real one. We're going to have a lottery to choose which is the real one. Oh, and really? they had a lottery. Like a, they put a load of names in an urn and pulled one out, and it was a child. How did that go for them? Is he being raised now? I think now? he's still there. I think he is, isn't yeah. he? Um, could I just mention yogic flying? Yes, please. Because I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there was this big 1950s movement, the Transcendental Meditation Movement, and it was a group of people who uh, took on the idea of the power of the frog, I think it's called in Hindu and Buddhist philosophy, and it's the idea that you could reach a state of meditation where you can fly. And the famously, there was the Natural Law Party yeah. in the 80s um, where they tried to get into politics and they would do this... Flying the flying thing. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's quite funny when I think there's video footage of the groups that tried to do it. <laughs> yeah. The Beatles were quite interested in it. And yogic flying has three stages. Um, and stage one is hopping. And stage two is floating, and stage three is flying. It's oh, not I can do stage one of those. It's well, very much the the key breach point is between one and two, though. Right. Isn't it? <laughs> so like the, if you've got two, your three is probably going to be fine. <laughs> so the transcendental movement itself admits that no one in the modern era has yet got beyond stage one. <laughs> <laughs> Keep at it, guys. Do, do you guys know? Have you guys heard of Drukpa Kunli? No. He was a Buddhist master in the 15th century. He was the guy who brought Buddhism to Bhutan. Okay. Um, and he had pretty wacky methods of like enlightening people and pretty wacky Buddhist practices. Um, he mainly tried his methods on women. And so he had the title, The Saint of the 5,000 Women. Among other things, women would seek his blessing in the form of sex. Um, he's... he's called the Divine Madman. Is that the guy? He's sometimes called the Divine Madman. Yeah. His penis is called the Thunderbolt of Flaming Wisdom. Yeah, I've because... been anointed by it. Oh, you have, haven't you? Yeah. What? Yeah. What do you mean? What? I've, um, when I've been to a, um, a what do you call these, like a temple of his, and as you go in, there's a priest with a large wooden phallus, and he sort of puts it on your sh each shoulder, like knighting you, like the queen would, well, the queen would do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it's supposed to be like a fertility thing. God, Bolton's changed since I was last there. <laughs> I must say. Where, where, where this is This was it? in Bhutan. Okay, cool. In, uh, Punakra, I think. That's amazing. 
That's what he does. You've been anointed by the phallus of yeah. the what is it called? The thunderbolt of. It's the thunderbolt of flaming wisdom. It can, it had the power to turn uh, women into deities, but I, mean, I guess that was the real thing. I don't think James is a god. Yeah. I think. Well, what wow. happens is you walk into this temple and the priest a- a- approaches you with a giant phallus. <laughs> um, I, I imagine the first time that happened, it was probably Brother Dave again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the houses around here, they paint phalluses on their walls as well. Around there? Yeah. Around this area, yeah, yeah. not in Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, yeah, if you go around there, there's like shops like that sell um, like local produce, and they all have big pictures of penises on the walls. People uh, draw those on walls around near where I live as well, they? actually. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have a religious community? Buddhism. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> on your front door. Yeah. What a devout place <laughs> we are. <laughs> Maybe that's what the Buddha meant when it says withdrawn genitalia. It's withdrawn genitalia. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic. Cease the podcast. Stop the podcast. Uh, hi, everybody. It's Andy here. Sorry to cut into the fact again that's happening. This is just to remind you that today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the website building website company. So if you like websites and you want to see another one of them in the world, which you have birthed, then they're very good people to do it with. Uh, they offer a lot of support and things like that. And also, if you go to their website and type in the code FISH, they'll give you 10% off your website. All right, carry on with the podcast. Okay, time for fact number three, and that's my fact. And my fact this week is that the whoopee cushion was invented by a Roman emperor called Basi Anus. <laughs> <laughs> now that is just... I've never heard of this emperor. So uh, the Roman emperor, Elagabalus, he is uh, he's the famous. That's his okay, name. Yeah, his birth name was Basi Anus. Now, oh. I'm sure it might be pronounced Basianus, yeah. something like okay. that. But when you read it and you find out he invented the whoopee cushion... I just oh, don't know how. You can't let that go. Yeah. Basie so, anus. What, what Describe the whoopee cushion. Uh, well, it was obviously a prototype to what we have now. Um, <laughs> uh, he, it, was, he, it was in development hell for nearly 2,000 <laughs> years. <laughs> prototype. <laughs> he just used to bring a cushion that had air in it, and he would bring it to his dinner parties. And he was only 14 or so at the time. Yeah. He was a very young emperor. And uh, and it just used to be his little party trick, his little... And it let, let out air uh, while he was there. That's all we know about it, really, isn't it? Yeah, didn't it sink them? Yeah, rather it, could than be rather, it could be rather that they were at a normal height and then just got lower and lower and lower as it went on. I don't know if it made a, a farting no. noise. It might have done. Mm. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, any, you know, any thing full of air where you've got something coming out of a sphincter that's going to make a noise yeah especially because it had to come out slowly i guess because yeah. they had to sink gradually it would be one of those squeaky farts yeah <laughs> that went like on that. forever yeah, yeah. <laughs> all dinner <laughs> oh this is still embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> another um, thing elagabalus did to dinner guests apparently uh, is suffocated a bunch of dinner guests under loads of rose petals Really? He was a bit of a bastard, but yeah, I think that's quite an imaginative way to go about murdering a dinner guest if you do want to do that. That's true. Did he mean to, or was that actually... He actually just wanted them to go home. It was kind of his way of hinting that it was late, (laughs) he was tired. Yeah. (laughs) He (laughs) locked them in a room, didn't he, and they had a fake ceiling, and he dropped out all these um, rose petals, but there were so many of them that they all suffocated. But he did mean them to. I thought he was trying to kill them. I don't know. He was a total dick, though, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know much about him, but from what I've read... He was a real bassy anus. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. a nice guy. He'd, he had all these... Um, I mean, it, but it's one of those ones where the stories are, like, half funny 
as well as like mm. the bad bits. Like he kind of just used to go and prostitute himself in um in bars and dresses a woman and 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 he purposefully tried to piss off people so that they would beat him up because he had a bit of a fetish about being beat up and uh, he's a very odd character. The weirdest thing I read is that he wanted to have his dick chopped off. Right, and so he went to a doctor, and the doctor said, "I don't want to do that." And he said, "No, do it." And they, apparently, they really like thrashed out the conversation and the compromise. And this, from what I read, they said they compromised on he was circumcised. And that's, that's, that's a hell of a compromise. That's a well. huge compromise. Yeah, that made is, a massive that concession is, too. That is kind of level one of the three <laughs> levels of chopping your penis <laughs> out. <laughs> Wait. What's the third one? <laughs> I think the third one is the full chopping. Absolutely, it's total, total lob off. Then what's yeah. the second <laughs> one? <laughs> so I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, um, so uh, interesting character. Yeah. And again, it's another thing where just even if it, like for me, the enjoyable thing of the fact is that he was called Anus, but actually the initial thing of the whoopee cushion being invented as far back as then is like on a previous podcast when I found out that yo-yos were being used Mm, from that period as well. It just, it's so out of place to me to think that a whoopee cushion was that far back in time as a practical joke as well. Yeah. 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 You know, the whoopee cushion, when it had its first 20th century um, origin, wasn't actually called a whoopee cushion. It was called a musical seat in 1926. (laughs) And it didn't really make a fart noise either, so it wasn't very good. Did it make music? Well, in the catalogue it says, sounds like you sat on a cat. It made this weird little scream. Um, (laughs) It was quite upsetting to hear, apparently. Like a screeching cat or a crying child. Um, And it was invented, and then initially it was called the Poo Poo Cushion, or the Boop Boop A Doop. Uh, These are not good names. (laughs) But when they hit on the name Whoopi Cushion, which was only in 1932, that was after the slang term Whoopi, and making Whoopi is a slang term for having sex. So the whoopee cushion is named after sex. So it was a sex cushion. <laughs> what? So who made that is connection? That what it's for? Yeah. Well, there was a hit song in 1928 called "Making Whoopee." Yeah. And I but think who... it was called the whoopee cushion a few years later. But and then I think that... whoopee then became just having fun. Yeah. After that, and then okay. it became like yeah. a. That makes <laughs> more sense. So um, Sorensen Adams, who was a very famous joke developer, yeah. the SS Adams character, like loads of stuff like the the insect in an ice cube and the the the, the flower that squirts stuff out. Yeah, all of all of these really classic jokes. A lot of them were invented by him. Wow! And, uh, but he turned down the whoopee cushion initially because he thought it was indelicate. And then he realised his mistake soon after it was you know to become a big success. And he made his own one, which was called the raspberry cushion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he also invented the joy buzzer. Um, Which is the hand buzzer. Is exactly, yeah. yeah. The hand, okay, What's I just want to... You yeah. know when you shake hands with someone and there's a buzzer in there and it's a little electric shock or something? It's I actually ju- just a vibration, isn't it? It's not electric it. shock. Yeah, um, but I just want to read you this. It was modelled after another product, the Zapper, which was similar to the Joy Buzzer, but did not have a very effective buzz and contained a button that had a blunt point that would hurt the person <laughs> whose hand was shaken. <laughs> So just a mini knife, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that just... got you really good with that one. Yeah, I'll get the bandages. Yeah, yeah. What a funny prank! I just stabbed you in the chest. <laughs> now just stand underneath all these rose petals. Yeah. Um, hey, so... smell my flower. It's a gun. <laughs> 
So Sorensen Adams, he started off um, with itching powder. No, or was yeah. it sneezing powder? No, sneezing powder it was. Okay, yeah. Uh, and he worked for a company that made this whatever product it was. And they had this dust left over from the product. And he noticed mm. that people were sneezing from it. Mm. And so then he thought, oh, this is a great prank. I can make this and sell it. And he sold, started selling loads and loads of this sneezing powder yeah. and became really big. Um, it was called Kachu. And his first year, he sold $15,000 worth. Um, but 25 years later, the FDA banned it as a toxic substance. <laughs> so for all that time, he'd been poisoning people as well as making them sneeze. Oh, wow. It was genuinely toxic. Yeah. Oh, that's quite funny. That is health and safety gone mad. Another thing they used was itching powder, wasn't it, in World War Two? And it came. This is, there was an idea to plant itching powder on Nazis in various ways. <laughs> and um, on the on the like instructions that were given to people who were trying to infiltrate and plant this, it said the greatest effect is produced by applying the powder to the inside of the underclothing. Yeah. So I don't know how it was That'll intended. Do it. To get wow. that yeah, work. exactly. Hi. You think when they were pitching that in the meeting, they said, "Okay, so let me get this right. You've made it right up to a Nazi." <laughs> you got your gun on you. Yeah? Okay, so gonna... now I want you to take out the gun and just use it to apply a bit of the itching powder to his underclothes. Be careful. Uh, in World War One, they had sneezing powder. The Germans, this is. Uh, and it didn't do you that much harm apart from it made you sneeze so it made you take off your gas mask and oh, then they'd be able to get you with God. the other stuff. Uh, oh, cheeky. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Why do you take off your gas mask when you sneeze? You don't uh, want to get spit all over your face. I think it was like it would kind of just get in their eyes and in the nose and stuff. They just needed fresh air. Okay. Mm. Okay. Wow. Um, the man who invented the fart machine much yep. later than the whoopee cushion um, he tried to record the sounds with his friend his name was Fred Jarrow and uh, his, he and his friend John Blackman who was developing it they tried to record it by going into a recording studio after having eaten lots of fart causing food like cabbage <laughs> and beans and things and they said it didn't work it didn't sound right yeah. what um, did the people around them say <laughs> <laughs> you're never using this recording studio again <laughs> what did they use in the end for the sounds a like? synthesizer oh, sadly yeah. wow okay oh, I yeah. didn't, like my old Yamaha didn't have a fart Am I just not understanding how synthesizers work? I know. And also, here's the thing a synthesizer uses recordings of sounds that it collects. So it must have got it from somewhere else originally. Yeah. All right. I don't know the full details on this one. I'm going to fess up. I think think they they used existing sounds and slowed them down and sped them up. Oh, okay. Made them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One more prankster was Jim Moran in America, who was born in 1907. He lived until 1999. He was called America's number one prankster. And he did lots of, you know, fun, crazy pranks. Like he he, uh, walked a bull through a china shop once and he did this kind of thing. Um, He also looked for a needle in a haystack in 1939. And it took him 82 hours before he found it. Um, Yeah, but who's that a joke on? No, yeah, yeah himself, isn't it? It was near the bottom and slightly to the left of centre. Um, but this I love so much about it. Pranksters tried to set fire to the haystack five times while he was in it. Uh, out pranking the so prankster. The jokes on him. <laughs> Kinda. Did he, tried did he... to. How do you fail to light? <laughs> well, you know the saying. It's, you like know trying, it it's like trying to set fire to a haystack. <laughs> How did he know the needle was in there? Well, I think he put it. He he, put it was in he there. just like fingers crossed? Okay, he definitely. So if he put it there, <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Well, he must have thrown it in, and then it must have fallen through. No, it, right? I think I he would have got a friend to put it in. Yeah, oh, maybe. Yeah. I'm um, amazed he had friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, time for our final fact of the show, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that the oldest known purse is decorated with dog's teeth. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's very old bling. This is um, found in a grave uh, dated to 2500 BC, uh, and it was a leather pouch uh, decorated with dog's teeth uh, in a nice little pattern. Uh, but over the years, the leather has disappeared, so that all was left was the teeth. Cool. Uh, but they've kind of worked out that it must have been... Uh, must have been a purse rather than a dog <laughs> it, was, it was decorated in the shape of a dog's mouth <laughs> and next to it was like a bum bag with decorated with dogs you skeleton know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah that's really interesting i guess they use what they could find yeah what yeah, were they okay. carrying back then um, it, I don't know, really. You would carry, let's say you'd carry... More some, dog's teeth. <laughs> they make something pros. valuable or some food or some, you know, a, a tool or something. You know? Yeah. Um, so this is according to Harold Staubel, the senior archaeologist at Germany's Saxon State Archaeology Office. And he thinks that it was very fashionable at the time to decorate um, these handbags with dog's teeth. Uh because he says that not everyone was buried with them. It was only people of high status. Who right. were. So it must have been quite, ah, quite good. High status people who are catching dogs. Yeah. Maybe that was a sign of your... I mean, what meant high status 3,000 years ago? Yeah, where, where, what like civilization are we talking about? Uh, we're talking... Bronze Age, Stone Age? Yeah, Bronze Age, yeah. Stone Age. Um, I do like that we've humans have like wanted to de- adorn ourselves since as long as we know they've existed, basically, and yeah. we just find find the Neanderthals as well did, didn't they? They had like yeah. little trinkets and stuff they were buried with. Yeah, like I think the oldest, I think maybe until two thousand six, the oldest jewelry we had were snail shells, weren't they? From about seventy five, uh, yeah. I want to say seventy five thousand years ago. Um, and we found them in a in a cave in South Africa, um, and it was just like little holes drilled in snail shells, which they think they used wow. to hook them into their some bit of their body. Um, in the Bible, Judas is specifically identified as the guy who was carrying the purse. See, yeah. Well, he was given money in the purse, wasn't he? He was given thirty pieces oh, of yes, silver in that's the, true. In the purse. I thought that was it. What wasn't but it took, that his name? Any, he... Sorry, go on. Well, he took, if, um, if Jesus was given anything, um, so it says in uh, John's Gospel, Judas had the purse into which was put whatsoever was ministered to Christ. So it was the, he, oh. was the, he was the banker. As always, when playing Monopoly, as in the Bible, don't trust the banker. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's cheating. That'd be a good actual version of Monopoly. Yeah, where you, where you have to betray one of them, <laughs> one of the other players who's then crucified. <laughs> Um, that must be why, so Judas Iscariot, the name Iscariot, comes from the Latin scortea, which is a purse or a bag used to right. carry money. Yeah. So oh. maybe that's Do you think that. that's where the word scrotum comes from? I wonder. I bet it is. So was yeah. he Mr. Moneybags? I guess he was Mr. Moneybags. Or yeah. Mr. Scrotum. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he was resentful. Guys, it means moneybags. <laughs> um, you'll see, you'll see. Yeah, yeah, Judas. Yes, yeah, yeah, scroty. Well, scrotums have been used as purses. Um, have they? People. They use them, like, in Australia, you can buy, like, kangaroo scrotum oh, purses. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's really big yeah. at the moment. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Apparently, the best one is a W-shaped kangaroo scrotum purse. Uh, and that is kind of, if you can imagine the two bits yeah. where the testicles go, uh, rather than being attached like web toes might be, they're kind of more 
um, like a W shape. Is that so you can keep different things in the different halves? I think it's just because they're rare. It's like oh, right. one in 10,000 um, kangaroo scrubs is a shape like this. It's so. like a lucky four-leaf clover, yes. <laughs> except for the kangaroo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, speaking of designer um, handbags and stuff like that... Um, women's uh, handbags are much or women's bags are much more expensive than men's bags no matter what they look like or anything so there was um there's a purse blog uh, run by someone called Amanda Moll and she looked at all the different things that you could the things that you could buy and she found that for two bags which are virtually identical one for women and one for men um the women's one cost $2.96 a cubic inch and the men's one cost $1.54 a cubic inch and they're pretty much identical so wow. the idea is basically they just charge more because it's aimed at a woman um so on designer bags louis vuitton apparently burns all of his bags that he's made that year. Not him personally, he gets, <laughs> gets someone to burn all the bags he's made that year so that they don't get sold on the cheap the next year because it devalues the uh, item. What? So wow, all so all the ones that haven't been sold in the shop. The ones, so first of all, they have an in-house private Louis Vuitton sale for Louis Vuitton staff so people can buy like slightly reduced price. And then, But they keep tabs on who's bought them so they can track them. So if one of them appears on eBay, <sighs> Louis is going to be like, you put this on eBay, that's not cool. Um, wow. So you can give one as a gift, I think. And then he burns all the rest. Make sure it doesn't devalue the brand. That is insane. It's pretty mental. Yeah. <laughs> that's why stuff. he's never made anything of himself. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other careers in which he would just set fire to all your stuff at the, at the end of the... Well, it kind of reminds me a bit, not setting fire to it, but a bit like what De Beers did with diamonds in that they deliberately don't right. sell them to keep the prices high. Yeah. Well, they used yeah. to do that. I don't ah. know if they do and anymore. grain. I mean, it's the same thing with grain, isn't it? To stop yeah. grain prices from going nuts. I'm not very good at understanding this. Don't We have huge stocks of grain that go yeah. rotten every year. I like butter mountains and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. There is a New Year's ritual somewhere where you uh, write down, you make little pieces of paper sculpture basically on which you have already written things that you didn't really enjoy about last year and then you set fire to them at midnight it's quite fun I tried that one yeah mm. did you, did you? Yeah. set fire to the house there was so much yeah. that you were unhappy yeah. with <laughs> yeah so the, the year always begins with a big insurance claim <laughs> that's exactly. and then that's the first item in the next year's <laughs> <Yeah>. list <laughs> that's a thing in China as well that you write down a confession and you do on three separate bits of paper, and then mm. you light the confession up, and it's 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 a way of almost a priest saying right. that. That they... must be bad if your lighter runs out, and you've mm. written something really dodgy on the piece <laughs> of paper. <laughs> like, oh my god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god. <laughs> Is there a reason why it's three? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I saw it on the Carl Pilkington Idiot Abroad documentary. <laughs> I thought it was because you grew up in China. <laughs> so, you know that handbag originally meant a bit of luggage for a man. The original uh, handbags yeah. were for men. Yeah. And then it only became a women's specific item in 1841, I think, didn't it? Yeah, it's really recent. And yeah. do you know who invented it? The guy who invented the handbag also invented butterscotch. Wow. Samuel, oh. Samuel Parkinson. Yeah. Wow, that is two cool things to invent, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is cool. So he came from Doncaster. It's from Doncaster. Well done, Doncaster. Is it? What's Samuel Parkinson's from Doncaster? Yeah. Oh, well done him. Um, and yeah, so he introduced handbags as a women's item, specific women's item, because before women only had those reticules, which are like those tiny drawstring bags that you could basically fit an earring in. Mm. And he said, he wrote to a designer and was like, my wife needs to travel on a train. Um, my wife. <laughs> from Doncaster. <laughs> so I looked up a few of the oldest things that we, that we know of in particular different fields. Okay. Um, so the oldest copy of a gospel was found inside the mask of a mummy. Oh, Wasn't that really recent? Wow. That was really recent? Yeah, really right? recently yeah. that was discovered. And it was, basically, they made all these things out of, it was made out of papyrus, which were then basically turned into papier-mâché. Um, 
And all kinds of different things were used. All kinds of texts were used to make mummies masks. So there were business papers and just personal letters or biblical documents like the, the Do you think it was for gospel. something for them to read? <laughs> <laughs> it was the Google Glass of its day. Um, God, that would be awful. I'm getting so tired of this. Yeah, and then you were, In you, the beginning shit. Yeah. <laughs> Will somebody turn the page? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Episode. And um, so Greek text, things like Homer's Odyssey, would be used as uh, as the contents of a, a papier-mâché papyrus mask. Wow. That's so strange. You never think of that. What, no. what did they what make it out of? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, really just cool. Just any old paper, it seems, they just, they just use. Wow. And they can read it now by taking the mask apart. It's like today's headlines are tomorrow's papier-mâché mummy masks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's probably a saying in those days. Yeah, and when you go to the fish and chip shop, they give you a mummy's mask to eat it out of. Yeah. <laughs> um, the world's oldest human footprints outside Africa. Okay. Anyone? Any guesses on where they are? Yeah, they're just in, on they're the border, in... leaving Africa. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're on a beach in England. Yeah, they're in Norfolk. Hang oh, on, they're wow. on a beach. So that, what? The tide just never came in and washed them away. Basically, they. Uh, it's quite tricky. They were they were indentations in the I th- not in the rock, but in the it's it, sand. Yeah, it's not. In the, it's not like the beach. The water is just misting yeah. for, for <laughs> millions of years. <laughs> um, no, it's really hard. I read an entire article about this, and it's kind of vague. But they were on the beach. They have now been washed away. But they were oh. indentations oh, right, okay. in the beach somehow, which resembled footprints. I have no idea how they dated them as well, but I, I they are 800,000 years old. That's the amazing thing. I thought it was basically the idea of mud and then the mud dried yeah. and it kept them and then a beach, uh, what they discovered was the sand on the beach kind of disappeared and revealed them. Yes, that is, that is Something exactly like it. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 800,000? Yes. That is amazing. But there are places in the UK where you can see um, footprints of dinosaurs in the same way which yeah. have been like where the the uh, mud's hardened. It's sky amazing. It's wow. so cool. And they they only had a very short space of time to get to get imprints of these before they were washed away mm. by rain and by the the effects of the waves. Um, and there, it was one adult and five children with him. And that's all we that's all we know about these footprints or this this family or whoever it was. Wow. Yeah. How cool is that? That's good. Yeah. So um, dogs' teeth were used as currency in Papua New Guinea until as recently as 1960. What? Yeah. Good, That's amazing. Uh, in 1876, um, we know how what you could get for so many teeth. Uh, you could get a bride for a hundred dogs' teeth. That was like the the price of a dowry. Wow. Uh, Are well, dogs really like? There's not many there, or um, don't know really. I guess because like know. if you're like going out for dinner and you're going, oh, we should probably pick up the bill tonight. <laughs> <laughs> how much? How many dog teeth should we bring? Should we bring Rover with us, like, just in case? Like, like, could you? Is, was it special type of teeth? Or what I it... think it is, and I might be wrong about this, but teeth have been and animal bones, especially, have been used forever as things to like cut or to you know they they're useful tools because they're hard and you can do things. With yeah. Them. So I reckon it's quite often currencies are made out of things that are useful. And then they trade them, and then they become a currency. So I bet it's probably something like that. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Although when you say hundred dogs' teeth, yeah, that is ambiguous. Is it the teeth of a hundred dogs? Oh no! Or is it a hundred teeth? Where's the apostrophe in that? Where's the <laughs> apostrophe? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a hundred teeth. A hundred teeth that come from dogs. That is, so you don't want to accidentally murder a hundred dogs and realise you only need to do three or something. <laughs> Darling, we're rich. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Have we got any more? Shall we wrap up? Uh, I'm done.
the oldest penis <laughs> yep. in the done. world. The oldest penis is 100 million years old. What? Is it? It predates the what dinosaurs. It, belong it belonged to an ostracod, which is an early kind of crustacean, and it was found on a fossil of that. And uh, uh, some scientists found it and they analysed it. Um, one of them was Professor David Civita of the University of Leicester, and it was on a tiny marine creature which was about one millimetre wide. I'm not sure whether that was the penis or the whole animal. But the, the one millimetre penis. Yeah. On the, oh my like, god. Oh, it's it, withdrawn. It's yeah. withdrawn. <laughs> it, it was the Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he says that it doesn't have one penis, it has two. So the earliest ever penis that we've got is from an animal which had two of them. Wow. Isn't that That's Whoa. great. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Yeah, me right. too. Shall we wrap up? Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this show, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm on at Schreiberland. Andy? I'm at Andrew Hunter M. James? At Eggshaped. And Anna? You can email podcast at qi.com. Yep, and we'll be back again next week. Also, if you go to qi.com slash podcast or no such thing as a fish.com, you can find all of our previous episodes that we've done. Have a listen, and we'll be back again with another episode next week. Goodbye.